They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. Our guest today is Andrea Pass. She's the owner of Andrea Pass Public Relations. Andrea, how are you doing today? I'm great, Michael. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I love interviewing people on the show and learning new things, so I'm always in a good place when I'm when I'm uh, doing an interview. So tell us, Andrea, what makes you awesome? My awesomeness is that for a long time, I secure press coverage for my clients. I get the job done. I get you covered in the press. I get you that third-party earned media coverage so other people are talking about you instead of you talking about you. One thing when we pat ourselves on the back, but certainly feels better when someone else is doing it for us. Absolutely. Yeah, you can can, uh, twist your shoulder patting yourself on the back too much. So that's important. It's, it's healthy. Um, so how did you get started in this? What's your what's your superhero origin story? You know, it's so funny because when you're younger, you don't feel like a superhero and you're not quite sure where it's going to go. And I was mm-hmm. always the person in charge of the publicity committee in college, in high school, and all these clubs I was in. And I was the one writing press releases and mailing it, you know, in an envelope with a stamp. <laughs> to the media outlet and then calling and saying, did you get it? And they'd say, oh, yes, of course, it was in a pile of who knows what. But back in those days and then in college, always doing the publicity for every committee and the sorority and the radio station. And I was going to be a broadcaster. I was going to be the next Dan Rather. And I was going to walk right into CBS right after I graduated college in my little navy blue suit with the shirt that had the tie attached to it and my little blue pumps and my brown briefcase that my parents bought me for graduation with my initials engraved on it. And I arrived at CBS and they said to me, a woman, you have to take a typing test. Well, I was not a happy camper. I typed (laughs) over 90 words a minute. That wasn't the issue. But every woman in those days was given a typing test no matter what. Wow. It was uh, kind of degrading, but I said, okay, if that's what's going to get me through the door, I'll do it. And I got a job at Women's Day Magazine as an administrative assistant in the advertising trafficking department because that was owned by CBS. There was a freeze in the broadcast area back in those days. And a few weeks later, I got promoted to do advertising layout uh, for Women's Day. And a few years later, when the freeze was lifted in the broadcast area. Off I went to do PR for the CBS radio division nationally. So it all started and my love for PR continued. That's that's quite a story. So so how did you learn how to do press releases, you know, for those college groups and everything? I was just writing them. In high school, I would write a press release with your basic who, what, where, when, why, how, because that's what the press needed. Because at one point I thought I was going to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And so being a journalist, I would think, what does a journalist need? And we learn the basics of who, what, where, when, why, how, which still holds true today. Right. Because you can't really ask any questions or get enough information on anything unless you have the answers to the, the five W's and the H. So it mm-hmm. still holds true all these years later. So public relations was so closely related to journalism and reaching the press. But I found that I loved the public relations side of it. And. So, so you said you then got a job with, with CBS? Yes, and, and a funny story is I actually interviewed to be one of Dan Rather's assistants. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, he was my idol in those days, and I watched the CBS Evening News, and I read his books, and I did everything so I could learn how to be Dan Rather. And when I had the opportunity to interview to be one of his assistants, I grabbed it. And then when I got called back for the second interview, which, by the way, he did not conduct the interviews. Oh. And he probably had about 12 assistants. And I got called back for the second interview. And I said, wait a minute. I don't want to be someone's assistant. 
that's really not what I wanted out of life. That wasn't why I went to college. It wasn't for me. And I interviewed then to be on the desk of the CBS Evening News nights and weekends, $169 a week. We're going back many years. I'm not young, not old, but I'm not young. And my parents said they'd help me, but there were no buses or trains from North Jersey into New York City in the overnight hours. So I would have had to have driven and parked, which cost a small fortune. You know how parking in Manhattan can be very expensive. And I said, you know what? I love public relations. I don't want to work nights and weekends unless I have to for a client. And I said, I'm going to stick with public relations. I've always loved it. I'm good at it. I get the job done. And so I decided that's where my career is going to take me. And it's been a wonderful career in public relations. So when you do something well, stick with it. Absolutely. So so what are some things for the, the, the entrepreneurs out there or aspiring entrepreneurs what are some of the most common things that you find people need to know and don't know? I think what people in, in business and business could be anything. It could be a product, a service, a retail outlet, an author. We're all in business. So Mm -hmm. whatever we do is the business, but they don't understand that it's not as simple as I'm going to send an email or a press release to my local newspaper and they're going to run a feature story on me. There's so much news going on in the world that you have to see where you fit in and what the right media outlet is for you. And I remember in the olden days, everyone wanted to be on Oprah. Get me on (laughs) Oprah. Well, Oprah wasn't interviewing the average person, the average business owner. Oprah's interviewing top tier grade A celebrities. And you and I are not that. And we have to recognize that we're not that. And there are many other media outlets that will cover your story and interview you. And that's what I try to teach my clients and others who are learning about public relations, that there is a way to secure appropriate press coverage to get your brand, your business, your service, your book out there without it always having to be the uh, happening to be the Oprah's of the world. So, uh, yeah, so I'm always teaching people that that realize that your target audience may not be the Wall Street Journal. It might be a trade publication. It might be a podcast. It might be a glossy magazine. It might be a blogger. You're going to have different audiences to reach your target. And and remember that not every audience is going to be the right audience for you to reach. Absolutely. And I think nothing along those lines is, is, you know, you're talking about kind of have have something that they need, you know, how do you fit into their niche um, is make those, make connections. You know, don't, don't see these media companies as, as opaque black boxes that you send press releases into and hope for, you know, there's live humans in there who are reading them and looking at them. And if they know you, you know, I have some connections at our local paper. So um, I try to give more than I, than I take, but so when I know what's going on, cause you know, I'm a guy knows a guy and I know what's going on. I will often reach out to the reporters I know and say, hey, you might want to know about this. This might be an interesting story for you because they can't be everywhere. They're too busy writing the stories, researching what they have. So I provide that value. And then when I need something, it's more likely, uh, at, at the very least, I can get introductions to anyone in the paper I need. Uh, and sometimes I can get things, uh, actually get things printed because I can connect and say, hey, um, I've got this thing that uh, I'd like you to print. And they say, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And we build that relationship. I know who I'm talking to. So you know, the, the networking angle definitely ties into that. If there's a specific, um, obviously you're trying to get into 20 different publications, you're not going to schmooze them all. But if there's a local paper in town or a local local media platform, it's really great to, to kind of get to know some of the people there. Yeah. And what's really interesting is, is recognizing where you fit in. Mm-hmm. I had a prospective client, an author, reach out to me. It was her first fiction book. Never been published before. And she said, I'm hiring you to get me in People magazine. And I said to her, very honestly, any PR person that says they're getting you in People magazine when you are self-published was not from a major publishing house. (laughs) You have nothing else you've ever written before. And your book is coming out in four weeks when they're going to need a minimum of three months in advance of a book. I said, I won't be able to achieve that. I will pitch them for you, but I won't get, get you in People magazine. There's no way that's going to happen. You're better off spending the money on an advertisement in People Magazine. 
she was not happy. Mm -hmm. I told the truth. Many people don't tell the truth. I spoke to her, her publisher after that. And she said, yeah, she's been difficult. And, and I keep up with this person. So that was about eight months ago. She still has no press, zero press on her book. So had she hired me to get her things in the media other than People Magazine, you would have Googled her and seen her and her book all over the place mm-hmm. in that time period. But she was setting unrealistic expectations for a first-time author and, um, you know, you, you get what you put into it and there's not much else I can say about it, but be realistic. I just, before you and I had our call today, I was reaching out to a number of bloggers who review products for a new client of mine that has a consumer product. These people all know me. Within half an hour, I had already gotten 10 responses mm-hmm. because they know if I'm sending a product their way, they're going to want to review it because I'm going to be able to give them the information that they want. I'm going to get them the product quickly. And then I'm going to share it. My client's going to share it on social media. So they get an extra bump from us sharing their placements. People like that. So you're right. Make those relationships, solidify those relationships, stay in touch and know what they want and how to give it to them. Yeah. Well, and and it's great what you're saying, because I often recommend that instead of developing your weakness, hire your weaknesses. So if you don't have connections in in the PR world with the bloggers and the newspapers and whatnot, don't spend all your time building those connections. I mean, you certainly should, but hire someone who's got that. You, you've got better things to do. Um, I mean, connections are always worth doing, but the level of connections I'm sure you have, Andrea, are, are connections that I would never achieve unless I decide to go into PR because it doesn't make sense. You know, you may need... You may need that blogger who's going to review once, maybe twice, and you can't build the relationship. In order to really build that relationship, you got to keep keep sending them stuff. So you basically would have to get into PR to get the kind of relationships that a PR agent would have. Yeah. So, so you know, and, you you really can't do it all on your own. No, and uh, what, what, what's so funny, Michael, is is how many times have people thought, "Oh, I don't need to hire someone." I can do that. I don't have the money. You're growing your business. Yes, you have the money because you have set aside money for marketing. So you have to have money to get your name out there. But I would never think of cutting my own hair. I'd look absolutely ridiculous. I go to my professional stylist. Um, You know, I go to my dentist and my optometrist. And you go to seek professionals. Uh, I have an insurance agent because I can't figure out my insurance on my own. So you go to people who are experts in what they do. And when you surround yourself with a professional team, including a professional public relations person, you are sure to have business growth because you have surrounded yourself with the right team, especially for someone who's a solopreneur or an entrepreneur. What's more important than team? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing. Having those, having that team, you know, as the cash flow starts coming, you see so many businesses that plateau because the owners, they don't want to spend the money. They don't realize they're investing. They think they can do it better themselves. They think they can do it just as well themselves. And, and you know, it's so, so for example, you know, my business, I, I'm a networking coach. I teach people to network. You don't need me to teach you to network. You can network on your own. Plenty of people have. But it took me a few years to learn to do what I could do. And so you could spend a few years making all the same mistakes I made. Or you could hire me to teach you. And same thing. You could you could spend a few years learning how to, you know, making connections in in, uh, in the media industry. Um, or you could hire someone who's already got those connections. It's, I, I saw that, that the joke about the, you know, they call him the mechanic. And he uh, comes in, taps a little hammer, and suddenly the engine's running again. And then she charges $10,000. Like, $10,000? It's crazy. I need an itemized bill. So the itemized bill is... Tapping with hammer, $2. Knowing where to tap, 9998 Exactly. You know, that, and it's, it's that old uh, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Your perception of what you could do versus the reality of what you could actually do on your own are two different things. So yes. I don't claim to be an expert in social media content creation. Mm-hmm. However... The press that I secure through Andrea Pass Public Relations is content that can be put on your social media pages. Mm -hmm. So if you have a 
social media pro, I make sure that all of those interviews or product mentions or book reviews are sent to the social media person you work with so they can make it look all beautiful, post it on your social media, and tag the media outlet and others as appropriate to continue to grow your brand. So I get the press, the social media guru makes sure it's all on, on social media and you're out there. But I yeah. had someone earlier today who's, oh, no, I'm not really on social media. And I said to him, that's how I stay in touch with people. Whether I'm commenting, engaging, liking, making whatever on their pages, I'm staying relevant, whether it's happy birthday or happy anniversary or congratulations to mm -hmm. that's a great thing about your business. I see this or this and I'm commenting. And so people will remember me when the time comes that they say, you know, now I'm ready for PR. Oh, I remember Andrea Pass. I'm going to work with her. We're friends on Facebook or on LinkedIn or whatever the connection might be. Yep. Yeah, that, that's that's huge. Yeah, the staying connected, staying connected is a huge thing. And also, you know, what you're saying with the, the perceptions of reality. Um, you know, I've, I have people approach me fairly often about being on this podcast. And some people approach me themselves. Um and some people approach me through through an agent. And and the impression I have, you know, knowing nothing else other than this person approached me themselves or they approached me through a a PR agent. If they approach their PR agent, I assume they're a bigger deal. Because they've got an agent. They can afford to hire one. Now, they may be less impressive than the guy who reached out to me himself, but knowing nothing about them, also anyone who comes through an agent. They've got a one sheet. They've got everything organized. They got a bio for me to read. They got the whole thing. Um, so they look more impressive, whether they are more impressive or not. So there's, there's certainly a lot that goes into, uh, you know, goes into that. And just the little things that it wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even necessarily occur to them. And then, of course, the other thing is that if they have an agent, then after they're on the show, the agent knows what to do with it. Uh, exactly. So, and I think when when a, a public relations person like myself is pitching a client to your podcast, I'm also media training the client. Mm -hmm. I'm making sure the client is prepared for the interview mm. because you don't want someone coming on and isn't prepared for <laughs> the way that you're going to approach the interview. And some people, they have their list. These are my five questions. We're doing this. And other people have a, a, a free flow format. That's fine, too. But there are also clients of mine who may not listen as much to me, but they don't breathe in the interview. <laughs> Make sure you're breathing and, and, and have that wonderful give and take in an interview, because that's what an interview is. It's not a monologue. True. True that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I have. I've interviewed a couple people who... Um, who did pretty much monologue and they were, they were good. Uh, Cause there's some people that have so much information. I'm like, all right, just go. Here's your mic run with it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, also a lot of the other challenges is there's a wide variety of different kinds of hosts. So, you know, like, like me, I, I've got the background. I've been speaking on stages of various kinds, including Rocky, our picture show stages where I got started. Um, oh, what for, part did you play? Uh, Rocky mostly. Really? Yes. Oh, I am very impressed. I used to go at midnight. In yep. Teaneck, New Jersey, when I was in high school, and we'd bring our, our newspaper and our rice uh -huh. and our toast, yep. et cetera. Um, yeah. And we did the time warp. Yep. Yeah, we did the, <laughs> did the whole thing. This was in uh, 2003 we started this cast. And uh, it, it's funny. Rocky was it was in some ways a victim of his own success. By the time we were running a cast, it wasn't avant-garde anymore. It was just this thing people did. Um, you know, back in the eighties, it was, it was totally people like, Oh my goodness, you're doing Rocky now. Now, you know, I'm mentioning Rocky in a business podcast. Be like, Oh, Rock, of course I did that too. Yeah. Everyone yeah, did that. It's very but, Actually, I saw Luke Perry on Broadway. Wow. In Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I like to joke that I, I got started, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard, heard the old, the old, uh, yarn about if you want to get more comfortable on stage, picture the audience in their underwear. I never uh, understood that. Well, yeah, but so I got that backwards. As Rocky, you were in your underwear. Yeah, well, I got that backwards. So to get comfortable on stage, I went in front of the audience in my underwear. But once I've done that, a Facebook Live isn't really uh, isn't really intimidating anymore. Once once you've been on stage in your underwear a couple dozen hundred times, then you know doing a Facebook Live or getting up in front of a chamber event or a networking event isn't really doesn't really give you the butterflies anymore. I mean, it's still fun, but it doesn't really scare you. <laughs> um, but but my, my my point is like so with that background, I can 
carry most guests if I need to, if they're, if I can extract answers from them and guide them in the right directions. Um, but a lot of time, a lot of the guests, a lot of, a lot of hosts just kind of toss a question at you and you've got to catch it and juggle it. And if you don't, it's just going to land at your feet and that's what you got. So having someone like you to prepare them, uh, maybe help, you know, practice, give them feedback. Um, Cause I'm sure sometimes you have, you have clients who, who bomb an interview, but you can at least give them feedback and, make sure they don't bomb another interview. And I think the most important thing is to remember who you are and what you're talking about. I'm talking today to you about Andrea Pass Public Relations. If a client of mine is talking about their book, they can't call it my book. It (laughs) has a title. You need to say the title a few times. You don't want to sound like a broken record, but let's keep in mind that when someone is listening to audio content, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're doing something else. While yes. they're listening, they're working, they're jogging or walking, or they're making dinner or whatever it is they're doing. So you have to remember to mention the title of the book or the product or the name of the company a few times throughout the course of the interview, instead of saying my book. And, <laughs> and, and another situation I, I had was someone asked an author of mine a question about her brand. And she said, I don't have a brand. And the interviewer was saying, of course you have a brand. You've written seven books. No, I don't have a brand. And then when I listened back at this, I was frustrated because I said to her, you are your brand. People (laughs) follow you and will purchase your next book because they enjoyed the six before that. And Mm -hmm. you are your brand. So when you are an author, I follow certain authors and whatever book I just started a book during my lunch break today from an author I've been following for years. Mm -hmm. And she comes out with a new book. I'm reading it because she is the brand and I follow the brand. And it's really the same when we buy food. If a a food company that we, if we love M&Ms, we're going to buy the late, the newest M&M. I mean, when they came out with those coffee flavored M&Ms for a while and the mint flavored, I loved those. Oh, mint sounds good. I never had those. The mint was delicious. Me and a, a group of my friends, we always buy these M&Ms because we love M&Ms because you'll try something that comes from a brand that you are already mm-hmm. engaged with. And I think the same holds true in business. If you're happy with that service and people come to you to learn how to better network and actually get a result from their networking, they're going to refer you to someone else. They're going to talk about you. And the same with me when it comes to public relations. People are happy with my work. They're going to share with other people. Andrea got me this press. Mm-hmm. It was because of Andrea Pass that I'm in this publication. And, and that's what we have to think about in our communication. So when someone's a guest on your podcast, they need to clearly talk about what they do, but remind everyone of who they are. Yes. yes. And, and let me go back to that. I'm devastated to realize people are not sitting, listening to a podcast, taking notes, going back over it again, <laughs> re-listening to the important parts. Because, you know, there's so much value in this podcast. How could they be doing something else while they listen? But alas, it is true. I only listen to podcasts in the car and occasionally walking, but pretty much in the car. So you're right. Yeah, the the chance. So Andrea Pass of Andrea Pass um, Communications. Public Relations. Public Relations. See, I didn't even get it right. But Andrea Pass of Andrea Pass Public Relations, you um, do a very good point about mentioning the name of the business so that it sticks because you need to mention it three, four, five times. And I was actually thinking, as you said the name, that you've probably said the name of your business more times than almost any other guest I've had because you're trained to do, I mean, it didn't, it doesn't sound like you're name dropping yourself excessively, but that you, you mentioned, you, you slide it in, in a way it's that makes common sense. conversation mm-hmm. that you're talking about a product that you're working on or the name of your company or your book that mm-hmm. it's not the book, the company, yep. my service, my product. What is it? Yes. Yep. That uh, you I've, have. I've listened to podcasts where, where because you know I'm listening to podcasts. I like the host. You know I know the host. Thus, getting back to the branding, I listen to every episode they put out, and they'll have a guest on there, and I'll get to the end. I'm like, I have no idea who that was, and sometimes I have no idea what he does. You know, I'll get to the end of a 45 minute podcast. I will not know the name of the person. I won't know their business. I won't know their industry and I won't know their product. <laughs> and I'm like, 
because you know they, they went off into some which you know the tangents can be interesting that's how you get to know them but you need to tie it back at the end and and of course that's on the, the host as well to make sure that if you do go on a tangent you come back and remind the audience who they are because yeah i, I remember I, I said something once about putting putting links in the show notes and and whoever i was talking to is like you know nobody reads the show notes right like, i disagree yeah, i disagree like, what what, what? And they say, when's the last time you looked at show notes? I'm like, when I last wrote some. I look at show notes all the time. Maybe it's because I'm in public relations. Yeah, could be, yeah. But that's how people will find you. And yes, what's okay. interesting, search, yeah. yep. that's how, how can we find you? How can we remember your name, my name, a business name, a book name, what have you? The show notes are always going to help because they're going to remember, oh, I heard Andrea on A Guy Who Knows a Guy. Mm-hmm. So I can look on that to find out information about Andrea. And I think that to understand what you're talking about and to be able to connect, because what we do here, here's an interesting little factoid. Mm-hmm. The average person consumes a minimum of 11 hours of content a day. Sounds a like day. But think about it. How many times are you watching TV and scrolling on your phone? Or maybe you're skimming a newspaper and you also have your iPad opened. Or you're listening to something and you're scrolling on your computer. We uh-huh. are the multitasking generation. Yep. We don't know how to do one thing without another. My, my daughter and her husband came over last night for dinner. We were watching a, an episode of Jeopardy. And we're all talking to each other. And I look over and there's my daughter and her husband on their phones at the same time that they're calling out answers. They were not looking up the answers, by the way. But <laughs> we are all multitasking at all times. And mm-hmm. so to for something to really stay in our brains, it, it's that old thing that we learned back in, in high school or college. It takes seven times of a message before you're going to remember it. And so to get that message across, whether it's with a public relations person doing that or being a guest on a podcast such as yours or networking effectively mm-hmm. so that people in the networking group remember you is is communicating an effective message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really big. You're repeating that in a way that repeating yourself in a way that gets you out there, uh, and and also you know keeping in mind what it is, what impression you're going to be leaving. I, I was thinking when you're talking about the woman who didn't have a brand and the and the host said yes you do and she said no I didn't. Don't argue with the host. <laughs> Whatever they say, don't argue. It's their show. Don't argue with the. You can disagree with the host, but if they, you know, if if I started saying the world is flat, you'd be like, that is a perspective that some people have. But it's my show. Now, if I argue with you and I sound bad, I can edit it out. But if you're the guest and you sound bad, you you know that's going on the air. So you want to keep that in mind. I mean, most hosts want their want their guests to sound good. But but if if you're saying, I don't know, Brand, like, actually, yes, you do, roll with it. <laughs> Whatever they're saying, because because you want to give you want to give a positive impression. You want people to think. People want to buy people they know, like, and trust. So uh, totally, be- totally. And and also, you may not have an answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you can't respond mm-hmm. in some way other than, oh, I can't answer your question. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm wherever, not going to disclose that. <laughs> right. But wherever you are today, possibly does not have the same weather that it is where I am today. Mm-hmm. So we could still have a conversation about the weather, even though it may not be the same weather report. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so there's a way to have a dialogue with people in, in business, in press coverage and press interviews uh, in networking that will leave that impression. And then go ahead, schedule a one-on-one because mm-hmm. if I've said something today that resonates with one of your listeners about the value of public relations and getting you in print broadcast online media and staying relevant in the media, well, please reach out to me. Let's have a one-on-one and find out what can I do for your business? Because, you know, you're a guy who knows a gal. So mm-hmm. it's all good. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And it's definitely great to, to be able to do that, to maintain that ongoing ongoing connection. You know, one thing I'm, I'm working on a, a joint venture with RJ Redden and we're teaming up automated follow-up and networking. Because I can teach someone to make 20 connections a week, like nothing. That's, it's not hard to do that. The problem is you then meet a thousand people a year. 
you can't talk to a thousand people a year individually. Uh, so you need some way to maintain that connection with them. You know, that's part of why I do the other podcasts I do is people can have a casual connection with me by listening to my podcast. And it's not salesy. I'm not pitching anything. I'm just, I'm there for a couple minutes and staying there and staying relevant. Uh, and that's something, you know, and, and I'm sure with, with your field, it's all about staying relevant in front of people uh, and and uh, and staying out there. And, you know, one, one thing also that I, that didn't occur to me until recently is when you're on a podcast, it's generally good form to promote your appearance because you want to support the, the host, but it's also good publicity to promote your appearance because the people who might be liking your Facebook page or on your email list, they might barely know you. You met them once for three minutes at a chamber event and they joined your email list or you put them on your email list, but they don't actually know you or really what you do. But if you can get them to listen to the podcast now they know you. It's like they let to listen in on a one-to-one. And so there's a lot of value in that. Plus, of course, the credibility. But, ooh, because most people don't realize how many podcasts there are. And they're like, you got interviewed on a podcast. Wow, that's a really big deal. I mean, yes, listeners, it's a really big deal to be on a podcast. Huge. But, but what's important as, as a, is... As accomplished something great by being on here. <laughs> but, but what's important is that once you're interviewed on a podcast yep. or a video cast or... It's content. It's evergreen content that you can use over and over again. And I say to my clients, when you're featured, whether it's on a blog or on a news site or on a TV segment or whatever it is, use it again. Mm -hmm. Post it today. Post it again in six weeks and in three months and in six months because the person who's absorbing that content is not going to know that it came out on this date unless it's targeted to an event. So mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. not targeted to an event, but it's evergreen content. And it's something that you will learn from and you will continue to use as part of your, of your brand when you repost. And I have a client of mine who had, uh, he was a client about two years ago, great guy with, with a, a very interesting nonfiction book. And I wrote to him again the other day just to say hello. And I said, don't re- forget, you can repost the press we got for you two years ago. Mm-hmm. Because he talked about his book. His book is still out there and available for purchase. And so I'm securing the press for you. Use it. Use it again. I, I had a client on a TV station last week. And when I sent him the clip from the TV station, I said, use this on your social media, which he has still yet to do. But <laughs> use it again. Use it again. And because you're staying relevant and you're giving content that isn't self-generated content. It's content that's third-party editorial endorsement. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. That's, yeah, that's important to promote the podcast. And, and I'll certainly be sharing your podcast with me on my social media pages and tagging you because that's all the name of the game, to, to have that relationship, tag each other, comment for each other, because that's mm-hmm. where your relationship grows with the podcaster and with your audiences. Yep. And that's also great reason to work with a professional is they're going to remind you of these things that might be obvious after somebody tells you to do it, but not necessarily before. Uh, and, and, and there's, there's also, there's a lot of places out there where the dynamics of who's doing a favor for who aren't entirely clear. Um, you know, cause, cause sometimes it may feel like, um, you know, by getting on someone's show, they're doing a favor for you. Um, but you're also doing a favor for them by promoting the show. And, and I think also, uh, information, you know, I, intellectual property, I guess you call it content is a lot freer in certain spaces than, than it might used to be. Like, for example, with, with this, this podcast, anyone I have on here, I record the audio and the video. It is entirely likely the, the video may never see the light of day, but any guest who wants the video files, cause I don't have time or resources to do anything with them, but I record them cause Zencaster can do it easily. So, you know, Andrew, if you wanted the video files to then use it and recut it and put together, you know, a couple of, a couple of clips where you where you sound particularly good, then I have no problem with you taking that because then my face is going out on your channels and you look good. People are like, who's this guy who knows a guy guy? I don't know. Never heard of him. Um, they might Google it and it's good for everybody because you get that third party endorsement. I get some exposure and most podcasters are pretty open to, to not, not all. Some are still in the, the old like my information. Don't you don't you do anything with it. But I think with with a lot of them, they're like, yeah, sure, take it. I can make more. Take it. Spread it around the world. It's public yeah, and, for a reason. And, and our, our world, 
has changed tremendously. Even if mm-hmm. we look at since the beginning of the pandemic, we've seen so many homegrown journalists. Mm-hmm. We've seen so many people start podcasts, video casts, blogs, uh, what have you. And so it's it's a different world in how we're getting the message out, who we're getting the message out, and how we're working with. You know, mm-hmm. I, working with you, you obviously are very well spoken. You you conduct a great interview. We've also done our share of interviews where the person isn't really as experienced in public speaking, and therefore the interview is not as smooth. But I say to my clients, roll with the punches and and talk about what your message is. No matter what, if you get your message across about your business, your product, your service, your book, whatever it is that you're publicizing, then it's a win. Mm -hmm. So I had someone say, that was just a horrible interview. And the reporter, I said, but did you get your message across? She said, yes. I said, then it's a win. You don't ever have to be on that show again, Yeah, but it's, it's a win. So look at all of the wins because I'm one of these, I'm not a glass half full, glass half empty person. I'm the glass overflows kind of person. Yes, yes. We've had a really rough time, but if we can be positive and, and look to the future positively and talk about what it is that we do, me in public relations, you as a podcaster and a networker extraordinaire, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going to help us. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I don't think this is a bad podcast unless the, or a bad interview, unless the interview is trying to make you look bad. You know, if they're trying to trip you up with questions or they're, or they're, you know, really making you look bad, then it can be bad. But usually it's a, it's a weak interviewer. You know, they're not asking yes. good questions or kind of lost. And that's a fantastic opportunity. Um, you know, I, I'm fairly tall. I'm six one, but if I want to look tall, I stand next to someone who's four six. Right. Uh, and likewise, if I stand next to someone who's seven feet tall, I don't look that tall anymore. Well, if I'm on a podcast and the host is tripping over themselves and not really sure where to go next, and I can carry the interview for them, I sound great as long as I don't sound like I'm disrespecting the host. But if I, if I take their terrible question and I say, that's a great question, Bob. I'm so glad. That's a really good question. Let me answer that for you. And let me answer the question I think you're really trying to ask. Now, I look good because I'm helping someone else save face. So there's a huge opportunity in, in what you might call a bad interview to look good and really stand out and potentially make the interviewer feel good because chances are most of their interviews are really kind of awkward if they're not good hosts. So they're like, I really liked interviewing Andrea because because she really kept things going. It was really easy to interview. No, and, and, and what's so true about that is a comfort level mm-hmm. and a conversation. And the beauty of podcasts is that you have this long form opportunity to talk and get to know one another and for mm-hmm. the listeners to get to know you better in a long form method. Whereas when you're watching TV, it's it's a three minute segment. If mm-hmm. that. And so it's moving on and so many people are interviewed and you have your sound bite and your sound bite could be edited out. And it, it, it's definitely challenging. And then certainly when reporters are writing stories, they might interview you for the story, include a quote or maybe not include anything. So you just mm-hmm. never know which quote will be used. So I always tell my clients when you're doing interviews with a print publication, even if it's online print, repeat yourself because you don't want to get your message muddied with saying too many other things because then they'll talk about your vacation to Aspen instead of talking about uh, the fact that you just released this new consumer organizing product. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it, but in a podcast, you can chat about the vacation that you took. Yeah. If, if that's a conversation that's that's going to come up in an interview, so it's uh, it's it's wonderful, and it also for people who don't have a comfort level with public speaking, it's an opportunity to get that comfort level mm-hmm. with public speaking because yeah. I think that our school system should be teaching public speaking from an early age because no matter what. We do have to have that skill, whether we're talking to our team or we're talking to the entire company or we're representing the company. Public speaking is so important in everything that we do. So uh, podcasts give you that great opportunity yeah. for public yeah. speaking. Well, I think it's interesting because there's that worry about, you know, will the Internet make people unable to talk to each other when they got awkward? Because the Internet was text for a while. 
and everyone's communicating by text. So they weren't looking each other in the eye and they weren't connecting and they weren't bouncing off each other. And then all of a sudden, and it's about a 20 year period, 15 year window when it was all text. Of course, the entire generation grew up in that. But then out came Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and podcasts. And suddenly you've got kids 11, 12, 13 years old doing TikTok videos and YouTube videos and uh, doing, you know, TikTok's got the the duet where you're you're playing your video off of a recorded video and getting into all these, you know, advanced skills that you're that that their grandparents could never do on the public speaking level. Um, now they might still be shy in person because they're only used to a camera, but still the ability to get on camera and perform and and do that is a very powerful skill that people are getting. And public speaking, you know, getting on podcasts, it means more and more people have had the experience of being interviewed. You know, my, my first interview was a TV interview in in, in uh, middle school. There was a they banned backpacks, and I was one of the people opposing the backpack ban. And I did not know that you never let anything come out of your mouth that is not 100% on message because they want to provide a balanced story, which means if they have to take the leading person against it as the voice for it, they'll do it. And they already had enough voices against it. So I said, at the end, they caught me with a trick question. Well, would you say there's anything at all that's positive about this? Correct answer is, of course, no. I was 11, 12. I did not know that. I'm like, well, you can get through the halls faster. I was on TV saying exactly <laughs> one thing. You can get but through. You know I went what? back to school the next day and people were like, I thought you were on our side. I'm like, I am. What happened? Because I didn't see the interview when it aired. And yeah, they, they completely flipped me. But you have a story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. Everything that we do ends up being a story mm. that we can share and we can yep. grow from. And And I'm a big believer that you need to learn something new every day. Whatever it is, learn something new because that's going to help you grow. And if, if what you're learning is the value of public relations, the value of public speaking, uh, the value of being a guest on a podcast, well, mm-hmm. then you learn something. And that's going to help you in your life moving forward because it, it's all about that. It's, it's all about having those stories to tell and the new people to meet. And I think that over this past, what is it, 15 months, 16 months, my head is spinning. I've lost track. I've met so many wonderful people from not only across the country, but across the world mm-hmm. because of the fact of we're getting connected, we're networking. And and there are new media outlets for me to reach out to for my clients. So yes. it's yeah. uh, it's all a win-win. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I mean, the pandemic's been terrible. And I, I always need to remember to preface that. But the pandemic's been awesome. Um, it's it's like I, I I went from being the guy who knows a guy in a county of two hundred fifty thousand people in Southeast Connecticut to being the guy who knows a guy in the world. And you know, I, I've I've met more millionaires in the last three months than I have my entire life, and many of them I have in the podcast because wow. I've got a podcast. Wow, well, if they need now, public relations, please introduce me. They could afford my services. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's so all you guys have been on the podcast, podcast guest. Andrea Pass, you can afford her um, if you're one of the millionaires I talk to. And probably even if you're not. I no, you're no. Not. And I think, and, that, and that's the thing. I went into business for myself uh, a few years ago. And um, that's what's great. I don't have a staff. I don't hire newbies or interns to do mm-hmm. the work. So when people hire Andrea Pass Public Relations, they're hiring me. Mm. And I'm not farming out the work to newbies. So I'm able to have affordable budgets. Yes. And that's what's great because my clients may not have all the money in the world. They're not millionaires or billionaires, uh, and that's okay. But I'm getting them the press. They're happy with the service. They're referring me to other people. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as I'm working in a field I love, public relations, I'm mm-hmm. happy. I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. And, uh, I love what I do. And I think if you love what you do, that old saying, you never work today in your life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the entrepreneurs is like, you ask them if they're going to retire. Like, what would I do? This is what I would do if I retired. I would. Exactly. It was funny when I took this, this break today for lunch and started reading this book, I, you know, I read for 15 minutes or so. And even though the book is great so far, all right, I have to do this and I want to do that. And I have this client thing and that client thing. And there are days I was working yesterday, a weekend for a little bit and talking to my mom. And she says, why are you working? I said, oh, I had some ideas. 
Because mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, you can do that. Yes. And then on the flip side, I could say, you know, when I was on vacation at the Jersey Shore, Cape May, New Jersey, yay. Uh, uh, someone called me about business and he says, what's that noise? I said, I'm on the beach at the Jersey Shore. He says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I don't want to interrupt. I said, you're not interrupting. I'm sitting here enjoying the view, watching the dolphins go by. Let's talk. Uh-huh. So as an entrepreneur, you could do whatever you want when you want to do it. And if you can't talk to someone, you say, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the amazing thing in these times is so many things. You know, we, we always hear it much maligned of, of the, the, uh, the not freelancification, but, uh, you know, the consultantification of our, our work world. Oh, people don't have the security of work. Yeah. I have the security of entrepreneurship. You know, if you lose one client, you just go find another client. If you lose a job, you don't have a job. Your entire world falls apart. You may have to move across the country, sell your house. If you lose, if you lost all your clients, you just go find more clients and you almost never lose all your clients at once. So there's that stability. And, and there's also stability in, in the companies. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't have a team of 10 staff members. They have a team of 20 freelancers who they have as they need them. And if they don't need them, well, that freelancer goes find work somewhere else and everyone's good. It, it, it really makes for very good dynamic. And generally everyone else, everyone's getting paid better and they're doing what they want to do. And it's, our economy is going in a pretty awesome direction for a lot of people and more and more as they discover it, which is really exciting. No, it, it really is. It's, it's a very interesting time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my business. I, I, you know, my husband works from home now and people mm-hmm. say, oh, you spend all this time together. And I say, no, actually, we go walking at quarter to seven every morning. And after that, I'm having breakfast by myself. He's having breakfast by himself. We never eat lunch together. We're working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my day hasn't changed. I've had a home office now for six plus years. I am working. I am at work at my desk working. And so if you want to chat with me in the middle of the day, make an appointment on my calendar on my website, because I am in work mode. There was a a sales guy that came here for something last week. And I said to my husband, I have a client meeting. You didn't clear this time with me. It's not on my calendar. And the guy showed up late. I said, I can't talk to you now. I, I, you know, when I make an appointment, that's when the appointment is. So it's interesting how our world has, has changed and I think it's, you know, it's here to stay, this this virtual uh, world, which is okay. And then I see my family and friends uh, in person. It feels like 100 years ago that I had to worry about getting to appointments on time when I when I sold for the magazine. Like I had to be, and, you know, I'd, I'd lose a sale because I was late for an appointment because I got caught in traffic or something ran over. And, yeah, now it's, um, now it's about, well, and also, you know, even on a Zoom call, if, if I am running late and if I can't, you know, it's 15 minutes late, I'm like, oh, something ran over. All right. Well, you were at your desk 15 minutes and we'll probably reschedule. If you were sitting at a coffee shop 15 minutes waiting for me, we're not rescheduling that one. That's gone. No, no, That's gone no. It's, it's, it's a, if it's, a, it's a different world, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's we're making do. We're doing yeah. well. And right. as long as everybody stays healthy, that's all we could ask for. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I have someone be like, hey, yeah, can we meet in person? I'm like, in person? Who are you, the president? I did. I actually, I met someone for breakfast last week and I'm meeting someone next week for breakfast. Colleagues who, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to sit across the booth from them and have a cup of coffee. But if I don't know you, um, and we don't have the same feelings on, on important issues, I'm not going to sit across the table from you. And and that's, I totally respect whatever your choice is. Uh, but I'm not going to conventions right now. Just had a, a call with a colleague he says, are you going to this convention? And I, I said, no, I, yeah. I can't, yeah. I, you know, but, and but, but, going to that conference, no. But just time-wise, you know, a 30-minute Zoom call takes 30 minutes. A 30-minute right. coffee takes an hour and a half. So if somebody's like, hey, you want to meet for coffee? I'm usually not going to have a first meeting with someone in person anymore. Yeah, we're going to have a Zoom call first. And then if we talk and discover we have something to talk about, then I might consider in person just because I've, I've so, you know, I've limited time. Yeah, and I've that's gotten why I so do, used I to do efficiency. My, I do my coffees and whatever at eight in the morning. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. I had someone who said, oh, can we meet at 10? And I said, no. That 10's into my day. That's, mm-hmm. you know, eight o'clock. I could meet you. I'll leave my house. You know, if I have to leave at seven, fine. 
I'll meet you at eight. We'll be together till nine 30. I'll be back at my desk by 10, but I don't there want to first start driving and meeting you. I'm in the thick of my day. Controlling the schedule. And, uh, I like that. That's a good lesson. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you know, I schedule like tomorrow I'm having lunch with my parents. I go yep. out to lunch with mom and dad once a week. I'm very lucky. They live around the block. They're, they're in their eighties mm-hmm. and and I wouldn't give up my lunches with them for anything. And so I know which day are we doing lunch this week? It's in my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, definitely. That's, that's a challenge I've had is controlling my schedule with so many, you know, when you network, you do a lot of one-to-ones and that can swamp your schedule pretty good. Um, but yeah. so, so speaking of time, uh, I actually ah. have an interview that I need to be on and I'm well, sure you have things you need to do. Michael. Um, but if somebody does want to get a bit of your schedule and have virtual coffee with you, uh, how would somebody get in touch with Andrea Pass of Andrea Pass Public Relations. Please visit my website, andreapasspr.com. I have an appointments tab on my website. Please follow me on Facebook, Andrea Pass Public Relations. And I'm on LinkedIn, Andrea Pass. So I'm I'm all over the place. We won't bother with the Instagram and the Twitter, but uh, I'm I'm everywhere. So please reach out to me because public relations should be part of your marketing mix. Mm-hmm. It grows brand awareness, it keeps you relevant, and it reaches target audiences to grow your business. So Andrea Pest Public Relations, I hope I can meet with some of the guy who knows a guy uh, audience. And uh, it was a pleasure gabbing with you, Michael. Now I'm going to go great see when I can watch Rocky Horror Picture Show again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, great to, great to have you. And for those who do read the, the show notes, all that will be in the show notes. And for those who don't, rewind. And it's Basically, search for Andrea Pass, I assume. Um, exactly. And you'll find exactly. you out there. So it's been great to have you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's JV dash connect.com December 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there